Hey, folks, Tom and Keith thanking you for tuning in each and every week to listen to Front Row Knowles via the podcast. And a special thank you to the folks at the Dunlap Champions Club for their continued support of this podcast. A great place to watch Florida State ball game. a great place to have a good time. Remember, you can access the club on Friday night. You can go there on Saturday. You can repeat it on Sunday, an entire weekend of events. Whether it's for personal fandom or if you want to entertain clients, employees, social groups, uh, there's different packages available. You can get a single game uh, ticket experience as well and just sample it uh, at one game this year. Some new features, too, uh, from year one. They've got misters and fans in there, and they also are really emphasizing uh, flavorful food, but with a local connection, local tie, expanded food opportunity. John Rivers of Four Rivers will be in there preparing. Uh, also, you can get Bradley sausage for those of you that remember that. How, how do I get more information? They can get more information by calling uh, 850-644-1830, option one, or you can visit fsuclubseats.com. Thanks again to them and enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Pull up a ringside seat. Welcome to Front Row Knowles. I haven't seen you move that fast since you fell out of the chair. <laughs> For those that don't know, Tom had to jump up and shut the door in the studio here, and that's that's as fast as I've seen him move in a while. Yeah, otherwise, we would have had to start the show again and wasted 20 <laughs> seconds of our lives, right? Uh, hey, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. We're going to try to have fun today, despite the overriding uh, circumstance that is the 2017 football season. However, yet, but you and I talked about this on our Sunday show. I felt and still feel better after the Miami game than I did after the Wake Forest game in terms of where segment groups are and where this team is headed. Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I thought there were a lot of good takeaways from that game. But the problem is when you're one and three and you're going to Duke and you have to spend the week worrying about, well, what if we lose to Duke? And then you're one and four. So, I mean, to your point, a month from now, really, the, to me, the, the, the game will be Louisville. Assuming, I don't think FSU is going to lose to Duke. So, assuming they get a win here, Louisville is sort of where if you make a statement, you get to three and three, people will feel better. Because right now, everybody's assuming you're going to be at two and four after that and really scrambling for bowl wins. But I do think there was a lot of positive there. James Blackman, uh, Cam Akers, I thought the offensive line played better. The defense didn't play bad, save for the fact that they got to get off the field, not on every third down. because the selected ones. On key big third downs, that's where their propensity to give up the big plays. They gave up less than 200 yards if you take away the last two drives. Again, I know I'm reaching for for positives, but but again, that's got to be the message to these kids. You've got to remain positive. You do, and that's why I say that. That's what we don't know right now is how are they gonna are they gonna channel it and stay positive, or are they gonna play for themselves and not be focused against Duke and Louisville? Because if you get into that situation, then you quickly stop cracking four and eight jokes about the Gators. No if, question. If you know what I'm saying. No question. It has not been this way for Florida State in terms of being one and three since 1976, and the timing on this is interesting, Keith, because you were at the Tallahassee Quarterback Club last night. Bobby Bowden was the speaker. And I made the comment. I said this is the first time that we've been 1-3 since 1976. And I paused when Coach Bowden was sitting right to my right. And I looked out at him. He goes, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and for those who've been around that long, I mean, that was, I guess they were 0-2. And that's and that was after a forty-seven nothing loss to Miami, and that's when Bobby started six or seven freshmen right then, which was a dramatic change, drastic action, if you will. At that time, it was absolutely because in in those days, the the book remember the book that somebody wrote. In those days, the book said you're going to lose a ball game for every freshman you start. So it was Kurt Unglob, Jackie Flowers, Scott Warren, Mike Good, Mark Lyles, and Walter Carter. Now I'm not six. Uh, suggesting that Jimbo all of a sudden pull eight starters no, out no, of the no, lineup. No, not at all. Fraction. But I, do you think 
drastic is too strong a word, but is there a significant change that could or should be made by Jimbo? Well, you're starting to see – you're seeing a couple of them on the defensive side. Uh, Stanford Samuels is, is seeing significant playing time opposite of McFadden at the corner. You're seeing Coach Kelly go much more, although it's about 60 65% normally. You're in nickel. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in going back in the Miami game. It looked like it was seventy seventy five percent of the time they were in nickel, um, which really not, is their base. Exactly, did not blitz much. You know, in today's world, you know, you've got teams, Miami included, that fifty fifty five sixty percent of the time they blitz defensively. I don't think Florida State blitzed twenty percent of the time against Rozier because they were worried about him getting either out of container or up the field. But I guess that's sort of the question I'm asking. Like, uh, you know, we've done it this way, and something's not working. So why not? I'm not saying change all the personnel, but let's. Well, I think they did that in the Miami game. That's what I'm saying. I think those changes were in the Miami game. They simplified on the defensive side. Josh Schwett as much as admitted that to you after the ball game in your postgame interview. They decided not to go with many blitzes, and they just lined up and played football. A lot of it was in man coverage as opposed to zone. That is a significant change as to what was done previously when you would substitute a lot, you'd go special packages, you'd try to set up certain things. I agree they simplified that. I don't know that they've blitzed a ton at any point this year, though. We'd have to go back and look at yeah. play sheets, but, uh, again, we're, we're just doing recollection from, from and memory. And I, I don't just mean defense. I mean, to me, I'm at the point, uh, and Jimbo, I well, don't you, think he's going this way. I would change the punt returner. I would put the young running backs back as kick returners. You can't afford to lose another receiver to injury right now at this point. Uh, if it's be more aggressive defensively, do it. I'm not suggesting that you bench the offensive line and play the backups or anything like that uh, or, or find six freshmen to start. I'm just wondering what, what – Well, again, I may be maybe trying go, to be – Maybe it's go tempo. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be positive because that's, that's where I am today. You, you, you're seeing more of the eye formation – so you're taking advantage of Patrick. You you finally saw them get the ball to the tight end, although Jimbo said he was targeted in prior games. This game, they had, Izzo had four catches. I, I, I think there have been incremental changes. I think the bigger question is, do you continue with the incremental changes or do you go wholesale changes? I vote for continuing incremental. I do agree with you specifically on the punt return. There is just – I'm sorry. Jimbo can defend him all he wants to. There's no reason – for that football to hit the ground with McFadden back there. For as much as we talk about hidden yards, I think three to four hit the ground last week, and it's probably eight or so this year. I agree. Maybe ten. And so if it was ten, to make the math easy, eight of them he probably should have caught. Well, how many hidden yards is that that's been lost because of the bounces? Um, and Andy put one on the ground. A bunch. All right, let's go back to this 1976 thing, Keith, because I want to – uh, the, just to put in perspective, because we take this for granted, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything that's going on, but it's been so long that the average price of a house, any guess, in 1976, new house? My first house in 1982 was 47000 so in oh, 76... Of course you had, to, you had to extrapolate it. I will yeah, go close. 35. No, it was 43.4. Okay. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you that anymore. <laughs> Gallon of gas was 75 cents. Well, you got to ask me a question. Who was on the Wheaties box because he performed well in the decathlon? Bruce Jenner. Yeah. What? Who is still Bruce Jenner? What company? Offend everyone out there. What company was formed that uh, Apple. now? Yes, Apple was formed. Very good. Uh, in the printing industry, there was a significant breakthrough that year. Uh, the web press. Laser printer. Laser printer, okay. I don't know. What else do you remember from 1976? Uh, musical tunes. What you got on the musical front? Uh, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille, number one song in 76. At one point. That's pretty sad. <laughs> you know, there was, there was another number one song in 76, as it turns out, that's, that's going to put us all in a better mood. Because if you recall, Casey Kasem used to do the American... Uh, the AT Top 40. Uh -huh, uh -huh. We all listened to it, and we, we dug through the archives. I still listen to it. <laughs> well, we dug um, – this one – This one. I, I'm not sure how many people have heard this, but let's take you back to 1976. Take a listen. This is Casey at American Top 40. Time now for a long-distance dedication. And this one comes from a young fan who's having big doubts about a big decision he's making. He writes, Dear Casey, my name is Keith. Some folks around here call me KJ. 
I'm a lifelong Seminole fan from Wildwood, Florida, planning to attend Florida State University to play football next year. And Casey, being honest, I'm beginning to have doubts with the team's 1-3 start. I can stomach the loss to Memphis State and defending champion Oklahoma, but that 47-0 whipping at the hands of Miami has stuck in my craw. Now, Casey, I know there's a new coach, and Buddy, he seems like a good one. After that collapse against the Canes, he shook up the lineup and started six freshmen. Still, I need something to lift my spirits. So, Casey, would you please dedicate something uplifting, something fun to pull me out of my depressed state about the FSU Seminoles? Okay, KJ, here's your long-distance dedication and the number one song in the land on October the 1st, 1976. It's by Wild Cherry. Let's play that funky music, White Boy. You can't tell me I didn't set you up 100% for that one, KJ. You want to sing? I'll sit this segment out. Playing in a rock and roll band. <laughs> Never had the wild bounds. Yeah. Turning <laughs> down a one-night stand. See, Keith. All right, we no got to turn this off. FCC is going to just Keith reject. Had, Keith had no idea this was coming. But I thought in light of circumstances, Keith, because here's where we are, KJ. We can talk about the coaches, or we can talk about the players, or we can talk about the one and three record. We can talk about X, Y, Z, whatever you want. And at the end of the day, we're still going to be one and three. So we might as well have some fun. Well played. Don't and, th- you? and thank you to Mr. Cameron, because I can only imagine how much fun he had doing that at my expense. Oh, well, I, I, wrote, I did write the script, but I'm, I'm going to have to pay him a little bit of a retainer for uh, his uh, Casey Kasem impression. The only thing I would criticize him on, only because I've listened to Casey Kasem for years, I still listen to to the repeats on Sirius, uh, is the dramatic pause, and he writes, or and she writes. I always picked up on that. It was like he was fixing to just share a heartfelt, from the soul letter from whoever had written it, and he writes. Next time we do this. You can play Casey, new, and we'll write one about new, Jeff, and we'll, we'll, we'll drop it into his show. Well, now, wait a minute. I may need to change that. All right. Well played, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And, and we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to bring that back again so Tim Linnefeld can enjoy it a little bit later on. I need to remind our folks, and here's the good thing about a noon game on Saturday, Keith. Those of us who are in Durham come back with a team we can actually still attend this. The uh, Tallahassee Oktoberfest has taken place. Uh, it starts at 4 runs probably until they're forced to shut down but officially four to nine and it's uh, right in madison street they're transforming it into a german beer and food wonderland these are the folks at uh, uh township madison social centrale uh so it's going to be a good time so will you be changing into your leader hosen on the lavatory on the airplane coming back i'm not going to comment on that but there will be beer sampling beer carnival games some tasting tents whether you're you know a lager guy wheat beer Oktoberfest, whatever you're in the mood for pale ale all right so you're going to be with me? It sounds like it. Depends on the where we're sitting at about three thirty on Saturday. That could that could uh, that could go a long way towards could, dictating, couldn't it? It could. All right. Well, another thing you do when the football team is one and three is you talk FSU basketball. We're going to do that when we continue <laughs> on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. That music is pretty apropos for this next segment as we throw it back a little old school because the jam with Coach Ham is coming up. At 7 o'clock at Tully Gymnasium. That's right. Basketball season is here. And as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency ensuring your future together, we say hello to a guy who's going to be one of the leaders, one of the stars for this year's basketball seminals, and that is Terrence Mann. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? 
We're doing great. It seems uh, it always comes fast, and I know for for you guys this year, not that you're taking time off, but you got a jump start on the season literally because you had, uh, I guess, 10 practices and three games in Jamaica. So do you feel like you're a little bit further ahead from a team standpoint than maybe you would be in the first week of practice normally? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you could you could see it out there. You know, everybody kind of knows what to do. It's not it's not like it's the first week practice you this summer. So, you know, even the freshmen out there kind of getting involved and getting a little more vocal than they normally would in the first week. I'm going to just go with the the uh, sixty four thousand dollar question, and you're, you've already been asked this, and you'll get asked it a lot. But this is a team that won twenty six games a year ago. But there's no more Jonathan Isaac or Dwayne Bacon or XRM. And you're yeah. and you're quoted as saying, "quote People are saying we lost this, this, and that, but you'll see, it won't be a problem. We can score the ball." So tell us why you're so excited about what this team can do in terms of scoring the ball. I mean, I mean, everyone knows, you know, who we lost, like you said, but you know, we got we got weapons. Uh, you know, I don't feel like we're missing anything really. You know, we got three point shooters, we got guys who can attack, we got low post guys, we got mid post guys. So, you know, I don't feel like scoring will be a problem for us. Terrence, Friday night uh, in uh, Tully Gym, we'll have the jam with Coach Ham. Uh, I think uh, most of our listeners would simply want to know, A, uh, will Coach Ham have the afro, and B, what do you guys think about it? Uh, I think Coach Ham will definitely have the afro, if I had to guess. You know, he hasn't said anything about it yet. And, you know, we love the afro, uh, you know. It, it throws us way back because you know he has no hair now, so we love the afro. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I can't. I, I never remember Coach Ham with hair. He's he's been hairless since he's been here. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, yeah, t- I, I don't know. That's it, Tully. Jim, sorry to cut you off, Terrence. Doors open at six. There's a dunk contest, a three point shootout, a scrimmage. The Golden Girls will perform. Uh, that's all yeah. Friday night at Tully Jim as uh, as we get going. Let me let, bouncing it back to to this year's team. I'm not sure that the average fan is aware of this because there was so much hype around Jonathan Isaac and, and Bacon, who was was returning last year. But you know, a year ago, mm-hmm. I think the team was what, maybe a top four or five class of freshmen or newcomers that came in because Isaac came. But this year's class is really highly touted, like number nine, according to one service. Yeah. So, And MJ Walker's the headliner. But tell us a little bit about MJ and the other newcomers that are part of this class. I mean, this class, this class is great. I mean, just like the other ones we've had with Jonathan and you know myself two years ago and Bacon and Malik Beasley and everyone, you know, this class brings energy. Uh, you know, this class can really shoot the ball well. Uh, they, I don't know, they, they just, they just got it, man. They can shoot the ball real well, and, you know, and they, and they, re, they got a lot of potential on the defensive end. So, you know, this class is great. Terrence, uh, the last time you were out on the court officially together, we were all down in Orlando. You'd won the, the first game uh-huh. in Orlando. You lost the second game. You've got these newcomers coming in. What do you, as a veteran, talk about with these newcomers that that you learned from that loss? in in orlando that you think they need to be aware of as you prepare for this season uh you know i just well what we've talked about is you know i just tell them you know it doesn't matter you know what game of the season it is whether it's from you know the early game early on when we're playing some mid-major teams or whether it's the games in the agency season you always got to stick to what you do you got to stick to the little things and i think you know last year in the second game of the tournament we had gotten away from the little things that we do all the way in. I think it was like the 34th game of the season. We were getting away from little things. So you never know when it can happen. So you just got to practice doing it all year and it will never happen. You know, I'm looking at this roster and you got CJ and you got mm-hmm. PJ and you got MJ and I'm sitting next to KJ. Is there anybody else <laughs> we're leaving out here? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, and surprisingly it doesn't get that confusing. Uh, with all those juniors, uh, you know, we're not, it doesn't get that confusing. So it's pretty good. Well, it's and, then, and we got two walkers. We got two walkers. On, so one's a walker and they're both walkers juniors. Well, so. just remember when it comes to the J boys, I'm the one with the blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I sit over on the sideline with Deckerhoff. <laughs> well, I know. I know. And, and when it comes to PJ, here's how you can tell him. He's the one who shoots even if he's not across half court yet, right? Because he can make it from there. What what is yeah, his range? Yeah, his what range is his is range? <laughs> um, I, I don't think he's found it yet. You know, he just he just goes wherever and lets it fly. He's fun. I don't think he has a limit to his range, man. 
it's fun to watch him when he's getting hot. Now, so let, let's let's go back in the wayback machine here because uh, your mom is a basketball coach. So, uh, yes, and, I th- and your your dad was a big was a soccer player, right? Do I have this right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, when you were growing up, does that mean in the driveway you were playing one on one against mom? And and, uh, and and I imagine she still got a little bit of game. She started at Georgetown. Yeah. Uh... When I was younger, you know, we played we played one on one a lot. She always used to beat me when I was younger, but you know, now she can't take. <laughs> well, and your dad, and you played soccer as well growing up. Yeah, I played soccer all the way up to my sophomore year of high school. All right, so deviating off course here, how depressed are you that the U.S. didn't make the World Cup last night? Oh my God! I mean, I'm not that depressed because they lost to you know Trinidad and Tobago. And my whole family's from St. Lucia, so those are kind of like countries that are near each other. So it's not that depressing to me just because who beat them, but it kind of it's kind of sad. I think I've seen like they haven't made it since the 1980s or something like that. That was the last time they didn't qualify. 1986, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so for perspective, what year were you born, Terrence? 1996. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't happened yeah. in your lifetime. All right, you're letting Tommy make his case here for other things later on. I think Terrence, he, he may be he may be abusing I'm, I'm, you a I'm, little I may bit. Be scheming. <laughs> All right. Well, what, let me we'll, we'll let you get going here. But what what do you want to see this team? Um, you know what what do you think is the key for this team as you guys develop and go into the the, the schedule here in the next month or so? Uh, I just I, I think the key is you know just to get back to what we were you know what we had last year you know a lot of energy off the bench. And, you know, make sure, we've got to make sure that we stick to doing the little things, you know, no matter what game it is. So, we're, you know, by the time tournament time comes, we're not out of it. Well, my last question for you, Terrence, is, uh, and, and I'm not a coach, but I'm old enough to be a coach, but uh, how's the free throw shooting improvement coming? Oh, it's, it's coming along real well. Uh, you know, I got a lot more confidence. A lot, I got a lot of reps uh, from the free throw line this summer, so uh, it's coming along great. Well, I told people all last year, if Michael Ojo can make the improvement he made, anybody can make the improvement from the free throw line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, good luck to you and the Seminoles. Uh, we look forward to seeing you as the new year gets started here pretty soon, including the jam with Coach Ham on Friday night. Thanks for joining us, Terrence. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm excited. All right. Good deal. Terrence Mann, a, uh, a coach's kid and a uh, good kid, too. He's got a chance. You were talking. We didn't ask him about this, Keith. But, you know, when you look at what he's done, uh, when you have – Bacon and the year before Beasley, but last year Bacon and Isaac and XRM, you know, there's only five guys on the floor and only one of them's taking a shot at a time. So he, he had to take a back seat to those three guys who were uber talented. Well, and, and, and he played as a freshman uh, and then made improvements into the sophomore year. Last year he averaged about eight points a game, maybe four and a half rebounds. You know, if he just makes the normal progression, you know, he's at 12 or 13 points a game seven eight rebounds and and if they look to him to do some greater things as you pointed out you know it's not unrealistic that he could be a double double guy at 15 and 10 he's he's athletic uh, i teased him and he'll fuss at me the next time i see him about his free throw shooting because he's pretty sensitive about it he's worked very hard at it and that's why i ask him about whether he's getting better at it uh you know if he can convert from the free throw line because he drives into the lane drives the mm-hmm. ball he gets fouled it's a stretch, but it, it is not going to be a surprise if he's a 15 and 10 guy when everything's said If he done. improves the free throw percentage, that's that's two points a game probably based on four free throws. Exactly. You know, if he's improving the percentage before six free throws. And more importantly, he's he's a co- as you mentioned, a coach's dream. You know, he never makes the same mistake twice. He's a guy you can count on for leadership. He's a guy that listens the first time and gets it and can convey that. He, he He's a guy that makes everyone around him better which in my mind is the, is the best compliment you can give a team player. And uh, I'm looking for big things out of, out of Terrence. I think he has the, the, an opportunity to do something pretty special. Sounds good. Don't forget Jam with Coach Ham Friday night at Tully Gym. We'll step aside, come back, and continue on the throwback 1976 edition of Front Row Knowles right after this. <laughs> Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. 
Back on Front Row Knowles, if you missed the appearance from Casey Kasem earlier in the show, you'll want to stick around for next segment. So we had a little fun. KJ is still seething over there. He's plotting how he's going to get me back in some future episode of Front Row Knowles. We're going to bounce back to football. We appreciate Terrence Mann joining us. The October portion, uh, basketball season always gets here in a hurry. And a lot of times basketball season is sort of dwarfed or it's an afterthought compared to football season. But this year, that may not be the case. And people may be ready to turn the page and get to hoops. The season uh, tips off in a month or so. Uh, we didn't talk about the schedule. Pretty soft non-conference schedule, I think. Early on. And then and then the ACC schedule hits full blast. Yeah, it's just like last it opens year. Opens with like, at, like, at Duke. Yeah, and then they play Carolina and Louisville and Syracuse. Everybody else that's upper half of the ACC they face in the first uh six or seven games all right let's go back to football and our seminoles.com insider tim linnefelt will join us uh, next segment but one of the topics that it's been talked about the last couple of years it's been brought to light even more this week an article uh, by tomahawk nation and bud elliott but it's in regard to jimbo not going for it more frequently on fourth down and i think we can I, you and i have had this conversation uh to me the answer as I always say, is in the middle. I don't think he should be going for it every time you're inside the opponent's 40, but I do think he could go for it more frequently than he does, and I'll stop there for now. And then, Well, they were they were across the mid-stripe four times, I think, in the Miami game. They were technically inside the 40 three times, and they punted twice and went for a field goal one time. Is that correct? In the first half. In the first half. You know, and the fourth time was in the interception. The interception. Yeah. You know, my my philosophy, and, and and I'm pretty hard fast on this. If it if you if there's no points on the board, then I'm playing for the field goal. And therefore, if I'm if I'm at the the 35, the 32, I'm kicking the field goal, even though that's a 50 yard field goal. Jimbo chose to pooch kick the first time. They actually took a five-yard delay penalty, backed it up, and then uh, Logan was able to uh, pooch kick it inside the, inside the five. That's a perfect world, but you've got to be able to execute that. Uh, I, I, I think that that decision could have gone 50-50 either way on that. Once you got the field goal, the next time you were down there on Miami's 37 – with a fourth and six, fourth and five, I think absolutely he should have gone for it then. You know, the first time you're trying to get points, but the next time you're down there, you're trying to get touchdowns. And and I, I don't disagree with uh, those that believe that, and at least in that particular situation, he should have gone for it on fourth down. So your point is, if, if, you're, if you can get points on the board initially, go ahead and do it. So if you look at it, the first drive of the game, FSU had a first and 10 at the Miami 40. They wound up with a fourth and seven at the Miami 37 and pooch punted there. Uh, on the Now, on the field goal drive, Florida State had a first and 10 at the Miami 14, wound up with a fourth and six at the Miami 10 when they kicked the field goal. That's a situation where you're taking the points I'm, for sure. You're absolutely. Not, okay. So then the, the, the subsequent drive, FSU had a first and 10 at the Miami 41, wound up with a fourth and six at the Miami 37 and punt it again. I would have gone for it in that situation. To be fair, so two things here. The third down play on that drive was the ball that Blackman hit Keith Gavin in the hands on an out pattern, and they went right through his hands, and that was a first down. So really what the conversation is, do you, when you're at the 40 plus or minus a yard, in this case the 41, do you call that four-play sequence as if you're going for it on fourth down regardless? Because that would change the play call, first down, second down, third down, fourth down. Well, only in that, you know, if you get a holding penalty, it ends up being second and 20, and you're going to change it up from that. But, yeah, if it goes in sequence, I think thought process-wise, you're in four-down territory if it's the second or subsequent drive of the ball game. So if you think that way on the third and sixth play, the ball that Gavin dropped, if you run it and get three yards, then you're at fourth and three possibly maybe possibly but I, I don't know i just think that's an area where obviously there's a lot of um, criticism of jimbo for it we always look at it in a vacuum which is what we're doing here and we always look at it in arrears because yes. we know what happened yes and that's not a good way hindsight is not a good way to so this is one of the reasons you and i don't get into much conversation about play calls because you don't know what the other team has shown on tape a hundred times this you, year. You don't know what the game plan is. You don't know what what you had tried to set up. You don't know what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, there's yeah, a so whole lot more. So that's why I like it. to keep this a little more overarching and bigger picture. I would like to see him go for it a little bit more. 
you mentioned earlier you'd be in favor of somebody else returning punts. Very I'm, much so. I'm with you on that. We had a brief conversation the other day in regard to Derwin, who has, to me, he's played well. The one obvious exception is the missed tackle in the open field against NC State. But he hasn't had a chance to make a, a huge number of splash plays because teams aren't going at him. So well, how, and because he's had to play the true safety position because Marshall has had some Well, some last injuries. week that was the case. Yeah. I think against Wake and against some of the others, if you got a, a, a quick slot receiver, he can't really be that guy either. I had people ask me that. Why didn't they put Derwin on Barrios? Barrios Derwin cannot cover Barrios. You have got to have someone that's got some quicks. Derwin can run with him in a straight line, but Derwin's 6'3", 205. Right. He's not going to be able to stay with a quote-unquote slot receiver. Yeah, so the injury to Trey Marshall last week probably hurt what they could have done with him, but we haven't seen him really as a pass rusher a ton this year. We haven't seen him move around as much as I thought he might, given the skill set that he has. I, I agree, although I do think you've gotten some pretty good pressures out of Josh and out of Brian uh, Burns. and, and, and the, and Well, the front four has played good. Yeah. The Marcus Christmas and Derek Nottie, who we never talk about have been very solid up the middle they're really really good very much so i mean mark walton miami's running back i know he's hurt and he's out for the year now but he came in averaging nine or ten yards a rush he came in averaging 134 yards a game and he had 25 yards on 12 carries now he had a bad ankle coming in so i don't know what percent he was uh, to look at it from the miami point of view but regardless there weren't holes there and they did a really good job on him um yeah so i'm just saying i mean what what could you do with derwin well, it, it depends on how well tra- Marshall is or how much you trust one of the younger f- safeties to play. I think that's another one of those where you might go ahead and roll the dice and move him up and, and let him play closer to the line of scrimmage and give him an opportunity to make some plays, some of those splash plays that you talk about. Um, although, again, in the Miami game in particular, they were going to rush four, go man coverage with safeties over the top. That was the game plan. Maybe you need to change that against Duke. We'll see. But, yes, I, I think you should get out of the box a little bit and try to find some ways to get Derwin closer to the line of scrimmage. And not just defense. I mean, he could return punts. We've talked about where we are in McFadden. He could. I don't know if they've tried it and he didn't do well. I don't. I mean, I don't know well, any of the background. Well, he did it in the spring. I don't know any of the background. Uh, but right now, a change needs to be made. Some, pe- some people would not want that because of the injury factor. But when you look at you how... Don't, you, don't, you don't get injured as a punt returner because you have the opportunity to fair catch. We don't have time to go down that road right now. I'm not going to dispute that or argue that. I'm just saying some people would raise their hands about that offensively receivers are hurt we don't know about keith gavin but he's not going to play george campbell's not 100 percent. auden tate's not 100 percent. why not throw the ball to derwin i i think there's legitimacy that you would design two or three or four plays you certainly wouldn't want to try and get him to learn the entire offense um the downside of that is when he goes in the ball game they know something's up so if nothing else maybe you could use him as a decoy uh, Jimbo is just hesitant to go. Jimbo doesn't mind, I'll use the term, uh, misdirection plays, but he doesn't like trick plays. You just don't see Jimbo running a lot of reverses and a lot of halfback passes and that type of thing. That's not his his style. But, yeah, maybe you're at the point because of injury, because of a 1-3 record, when you take one of your better players and ask him to do a few other things on the other side of the ball, would not be opposed to that. The only one I can remember him doing that with, and it was very early in his first year, Greg Reed took a snap or two, I think, either in a wildcat or he was lined up as a running back or something like that. But other than that, the only defensive guys I recall being on offense are like a Cam Irving or more typically a defensive tackle who becomes the extra blocking back. Yeah, the the fullback and goal line. Yeah. Well, even if you don't go to Derwin, is it time, and maybe you have to because of injuries, to get one of these young receivers involved. Well, I mean, we saw DJ Matthews return Matthews that kick. We saw Matthews return the kick. You, you saw a couple of the youngsters get in in the four wide sets. They just didn't get the ball thrown to them. And I don't know if that was intentional or otherwise, but they've seen some plays. They have participated some. So your question is now do you incorporate them more into it? I, I think you have to, particularly because of the injuries. Uh, with Gavin and, 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 and Campbell, don't know if either one of them is going to be available come Saturday. You know, Auden, Auden plays as long as he can play. 
He plays as long as he can tolerate the pain. Uh, and he showed some guts, uh, particularly in the last couple of ball games. We're going to start calling Auden the closer. We're going to leave him in the pen until the eighth inning, and then we're going to tell him that we need him on the field, run a post. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. You know, let's keep that wing healthy. We will get our expert uh, Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld to, to join us momentarily. He, by the way, uh, he's not aware of this little Casey Kasem thing that's going on. So uh, I think he'll enjoy that as well. I, I do need to remind our listeners that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener for all your power tool needs. A couple of locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. Maybe we should send the offense and defense to them and see what they can work up. Good thought. Tim Linnefeld joins us momentarily here on Front Row Knowles. It was a beautiful day. Sun beat down. I had the radio on. I was driving. Trees went by. Me and Dell were singing. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. We have changed the walk-up music yet again for our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld, as we go to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, I heard that song this week, and the lyrics just stuck out as apropos for our current state of affairs. How are you? You never knew what a a college football fan Freddie Mercury was, but it it really is timeless. It's a little-known fact. It is. Uh, Now, that came out circa 1975, and so Keith and I, in our first segment, Tim, we talked about the last time that FSU started a year one and three was 1976 in Coach Bowden's first year, which was Keith's senior year of high school, if you can imagine. Is, is that right? I... Well, going into my senior year, yes, graduated that, in 77. Yeah, so other than we talked about some of the things that happened in 1976, uh, something I didn't mention, Rocky. Rocky was released in 1976. Uh, the first commercial flight of the Concorde, 1976. Uh, what else have known? Do you have any memories of that time, Tim? Uh, even... uh, unfortunately, I do not. That's a little before my time. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. But, but you have heard of Casey Kasem. Oh yeah, and and perhaps you're like Keith, and you still listen to the AT Top Forty going back in time that they they play on on satellite radio. But I do actually all the time. I really do. We had our uh, plethora of interns here dig through the archives, and they found this long distance dedication from back in 1976. Take a listen. This is Casey at American Top 40. Time now for a long-distance dedication. And this one comes from a young fan who's having big doubts about a big decision he's making. He writes, Dear Casey, my name is Keith. Some folks around here call me KJ. I'm a lifelong Seminole fan from Wildwood, Florida, planning to attend Florida State University to play football next year. And Casey, being honest, I'm beginning to have doubts with the team's 1-3 start. I can stomach the loss to Memphis State and defending champion Oklahoma, but that 47 to nothing whipping at the hands of Miami has stuck in my craw. Now, Casey, I know there's a new coach, and Buddy, he seems like a good one. After that collapse against the Canes, he shook up the lineup and started six freshmen. Still, I need something to lift my spirits. So, Casey, would you please dedicate something uplifting, something fun to pull me out of my depressed state about the FSU Seminoles? Okay, KJ, here's your long-distance dedication and the number one song in the land on October the 1st, 1976. It's by Wild Cherry. Let's play that funky music, White Boy. Now, Tim, if that doesn't have us all feeling better about the state of affairs right now, we, there's nothing else we can do. I mean, don't you feel better about things right now? I really do. I mean, in fact, you've inspired me now. I want to go back to you know find the archives and listen to all of, of Casey Kasem's college football takes from the 1970s. I think that could be a pretty good project for me. I think we may have stumbled on something. We might have to have some long-distance dedications, not weekly, but occasionally. We might have to go to Casey and pull him back out as needed. And we could probably find different uh, shows from various points in Keith's life and different milestones for him. 
Well, oh, here we go again. <laughs> what what concerns me at this point is that I'm the ringleader here, and so Keith didn't know that was coming. You didn't know when we were going to spring rapid fire on you, and so it's it's only a matter of time until you two team up. And I'm on the I'm on the wrong end of this. All right, we we did that, Tim, because you know we're we could one, we, we could <laughs> a and and b we're one and three. So do you have anything else that will make us feel better right now as we get ready to go to Duke this weekend? Oh gosh, man! Uh, it's a really well. I, actually, you know, I don't know. It's it's really not uh, that nice of a day. It's been incredibly muggy this week. It doesn't feel like like fall at all. Oh, uh, and the U.S. national team's not doing so hot. Oh man, you, this is a, this is kind of the toughest question you guys ever asked me. Well, this is, and Tim is a soccer fan, and this does not have to do with FSU. But but Tim, you're pretty much in mourning right now because the U.S. is not in the World Cup. Is that correct? I mean, I, I guess I don't know. It's uh, it's just kind of a bummer, right? Like I mean, the World Cup's a lot of fun, and it's more fun when you're in it. So you know, it's kind of you know not not ideal. Yeah, and as a side note, why I didn't even get the channel that that game was on last night, so I had to watch the Univision feed at the end of the game. But that's Keith's looking at me. He doesn't even. It's a it's a channel, Keith. It's the Spanish channel. And there was a soccer match last night. I know what it is. Okay, and the U.S. lost. Keith, soccer is a sport where you try to kick the ball into the goal, and you're not allowed to use it. In the United States, it's called hockey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tim and I did spend uh, a glorious morning together in Omaha several years ago watching the U.S. compete yeah, uh, in it, soccer it, at the Fox and the Hound, if I recall, right? That's right. It was really one of the, the foundations of a, of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with Seminoles.com. What is on Seminoles.com right now, Tim? Well, uh, you know, just kind of looking forward still to uh, to Duke and, and talking to some of the players about their attitude moving forward and you know, I, I understand fans are frustrated, and, and you know, as they certainly have a right to be. But, but talking to the players, and they've all said the same thing, which is, you know, look, there are still seven games to play. You, you're going to play them, uh, and you'd much rather win them than lose them, and, and you know, do that, string a few wins together, and then see maybe where things stand later in the season or by the end of the season. Uh, and so that starts this weekend at Duke, uh, a team that you know was off to a really nice start and then got derailed a little bit by Miami and Virginia, but. Uh, it's following the theme of this season, and I, I think this is probably going to be true for the rest of the year at this point. Is that it's a game that, that Florida State, if, if they don't come out and do what they need to do and, and, and aren't sharp and, and aren't focused, then uh, it's, it's a game that could get pretty uncomfortable for them. So they need to be uh, you know, kind of on their P's and Q's in practice this week and dig and deep to find whatever they need to find to uh, to get up and motivated and energized for this game and, and come out and try to make this the start of a, of a winning streak. You know, I, I look at the schedule, and I think you, you've got this game against Duke. You come home against Louisville, on the road again for Boston College, and then back home for Syracuse. That's after uh, you know, four games between now and going up to Clemson. And, uh, and boy, would it be nice to look good in those four games and have, have won all four of those games uh, before you go to Clemson. So to me, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal. Let's start there. Uh, and then and then see where we are after that. Well, certainly if you look at the where the Duke program is now, uh, if the kids are paying any attention to that aspect of it, you've got to respect them. Uh, Coach Cutliffe, uh, as they said, are four and two. Uh, we were we were watching the the uh, Clemson game. It was a game that Duke was in until about halfway through the third quarter. I read an article somewhere that over the last five years, the Duke program has won more football games than any other five-year period in their entire history and uh, you know it's not your grandfather's duke anymore it's a team that florida state played in the 2013 uh, acc championship game on their way to a national championship and and they're they're formidable they're not somebody you should go in expecting to beat 59 to nothing no and you remember that 2013 game the the final score was uh, a little more lopsided but the first half was actually really really close and so you know they, they could play uh, and the other thing that's interesting about this particular Duke team, I was talking about this with our buddy Lane Hurt earlier this morning, is uh, they forced 10 interceptions this year, and they've got four defensive touchdowns. So, you know, that says to me, when you've got a true freshman going on the road, again, he yeah, does have one road start under his belt, but it is not he's a road warrior. He's, he's not super experienced in that regard. Uh, you want to be extra careful with the ball. Uh, to me, Duke's best chance to, to win this game and put up points is to, to force turnovers, get short fields, or just do the heavy lifting themselves and, and return those interceptions for touchdowns. That's the kind of thing you just have to avoid, uh, especially in a game that is a noon start. The stadium holds 30,000 people. I don't know what kind of atmosphere we're expecting on Saturday, but I'm guessing it's not going to be quite electric. Uh, and so you, you kind of have to guard against that and, and you know, avoid the, the malaise and sloppiness that, that sometimes plagues teams in these types of situations. 
I think that's a really good point, Tim, because in light of how well Blackman played in the fourth quarter against Miami, sort of, I've heard plenty of people that, you know, why does Jimbo have the brakes on him in the first half? You know, let just, just let him go throw. Look what he did the last three drives compared to that slow start. Well, if you let him just throw... Uh, and it turns out to be a pick six the other way, and now you're looking up and it's 14 nothing Duke. We're, we're not feeling very good at that point. Right, exactly right. And, and so, I mean, I know it's not the, uh, the, the snazziest approach, but to me, the number one priority, you, you, can't, you can't turn the ball over against that defense that's opportunistic. And then again, a game against a team, like you said, Florida State has the talent advantage. Florida State should expect to win this game, but the best way you can mitigate that is to shoot your own self in the foot. And so, again, I said between that, and I really do think that the atmosphere and, and, and whatever the environment's going to be like Saturday at noon, uh, you're going to have to overcome that. I think that's going to be a challenge. All right. It is uh, time for rapid fire. First, we've got to grade you from last week. So uh, let's take a listen and, and see if Tim passed on this week's rapid fire. Number of FSU wins this week over under one half. Over. Will there be a 100-yard rusher for either team? No. Sacks allowed by FSU over under four and a half? Under. Catches by Auden Tate in this game over under seven and a half? Under. TD catches for Auden Tate this week over under a half? Over. Will a UM tight end score a touchdown? Yes. Will a Florida State tight end score a touchdown? No. It looks like the overrunners in the 48 to 50 range. I'll just say 48 and a half. So you're going up or down? Down. The number of times that Tim Brewster will at Luther Campbell, Uncle Luke, this week on Twitter. Oh, and we'll, we'll run it through Sunday, so it'll be post game as well. I'll set it at three and a half. Oh, boy. Uh, I say over. And if I'm wrong on that, I'll be disappointed. You know, it was the Tim Brewster question that got you there uh, at the end. Otherwise, you'd have been uh, right in the middle. I had you, f- and I feel like that's not really a legitimate question, by the way. But no, that's all right. Okay, Sorry. we'll we'll give you four and four. That's that's still a fifty, though, Tim. So I mean, that's <laughs> wasn't a bad rally. I do think the questions were excellent in light of the way the game played. Very out. much so. No, I really wonder. Really I wonder really if the questions this week will be as apropos. Well, let's find out, shall we? Here we go, Tim. You ready? Sitting down. I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Will FSU score points on its first drive of the game? Yes. Will Jimbo go for at least one fourth down this week? No. Will Derwin James get his first interception of the season? No. Will Cam Akers score his first TD? Yes, but I thought that for the last three weeks. Will a freshman wide receiver have a catch in this game? Yes. An FSU freshman, just to clarify. Okay, the third down uh, conversion uh, defense... You wouldn't think this because it's been big plays, but Florida State's defense is holding opponents to 32% conversion rate on third down. So will Duke be over or under, and I'm actually going to set it at 35%? Under. All right, now FSU and young true freshman hurts this. Florida State's only converting 30% of its offensive third down conversion, so over under 35% for FSU in this game. Under, and Duke has one of the best third down defenses in the country, by the way. He's he's confident this week. There's no qualifier so far. I'm prepared. Number of times that David Cutcliffe will have something to say, tweet, whatever about Vic Valoria, if you recall that whole fiasco <laughs> from a few years ago. Uh, let's hope it's just. Uh, let's hope it's none. But uh, but I wouldn't go over one. Okay. Will Coach K attend the game? No. Oh well, that defeats my next question because I was going to ask you if he. All would... right. Yes. Okay, will he work the refs while he's there? (laughs) (laughs) All right, the Hoops team scored 30 points in the first half last year at Cameron Indoor. Will the football team score more than 30 in this game period? Mm. Yes. And this is the real, this is the, well, it's the hammer here, Tim. The FSU basketball team plays at Duke on December 30th. Will the FSU bowl game this year be before or after the basketball game? December 30th, you said? Yes. Before. What's that? Before? Before. But all those games are like on the 30th now anyway. Even yours will last year. Well, I couldn't 30th. pick the 30th and a half. Well, <laughs> you want nice. me to set a game? The, the game tips at like 7 o'clock that night. So will the well, FSU hey, football you know, game I mean, kick before or after the Hoops <laughs> game tips off? 
Hey, if you got an eight o'clock game on December thirtieth, which is possible, it's after. No, I'll, I'll say this way. Okay. All right, that one obviously we're not going to be able to grade you on, and I don't know if we'll actually. Oh, we will grade him. Well, for a while, exactly. Uh, and I don't know how we'll know if Coach K is there unless he literally is on the sideline working the refs. That's all I've got, Tim. I think it's pretty good. What'd you think about Jeff's uh, Casey Kasem impression? By the way, that was Jeff. That was that, who'd you think it was? <laughs> I thought it was Casey. Oh, well, very well, well played. played. Well, well played. played. All right, we'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefeld on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. I think the truthful meter on that last comment was, bang. We'll let you react to the festivities that was today's show when we finish up right after this on Front Row Knowles. We don't need no thought control. No dark sarcasm in the classroom. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. I will remind you that for better or worse, this show is available on demand after we're done recording each week. You can head to ESPNTallahassee.com and under the Audio Vault, find the drop-down menu and uh, click on the archives. Or you can uh, subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. You can also stream the show on the WTSM app. KJ? If you're old enough to have a reunion from the 70s, you could even go to the drop-down vault and play your own music. (laughs) (laughs) KJ, I had some fun at your expense. Hopefully our listeners found it interesting as well. I do want to, as we wrap up, uh, we talked about uh, McFadden a lot on the Sunday show and uh, to be fair and going back and looking at this and listening to everyone, Jimbo break it down he didn't play as badly as what I had thought he got beat on the last play of the game and a lot of the rest of it was not on him so I do need to acknowledge that you know what's interesting about human nature if if let's say it was reversed and on that play McFadden intercepts that ball and thwarts the drive I've, I've thought about this and Florida State wins 20 to 17 then we're all happy we have questions but we're all happy. And imagine the conversation in Coral Gables if Mark Richt had his quarterback throw at FSU's best corner to a guy who has two catches this year. What does that conversation look no, that, like? Landrum had not been in the ballgame much. Yeah, up until he was a then, bigger right? target. So I'm just saying, uh, uh, now to be fair, Mark Richt completed a touchdown pass on McFadden last year in the, uh, well, it's not the Orange Bowl in the house that DeMarcus built with the block at the rock. But that touchdown that preceded the blocked extra point was McFadden getting beat on a fourth down play. So whatever reason, they saw it, they dialed it up, they went after him. We are out of time, Keith. You know how I know? I can hear the music. Folks, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a great week. Yeah.